analytics is everywhere. In the way if you look at things are moving AI machine learning, analytics is all baked into that. Welcome to the Data Chief. Today's guest is Senior Director of the Data and Analytics Center of Excellence at PricewaterhouseCoopers, Scott Peck. Scott has been at PricewaterhouseCoopers for the last 13 years, and during that time, he's played a vital role in revolutionizing reporting systems as well as helped revolutionize the role of the data analyst. Today, he sits down with Cindy to discuss what it means to be an analyst of the future, shares his thoughts on leadership, and why data storytelling is a must-have skill. The Data Chief is presented by our friends at ThoughtSpot. ThoughtSpot makes it easy for you to use search and AI to analyze your company's data. Lightning fast. Business people at companies like Walmart, Hulu, and 7-Eleven use ThoughtSpot to quickly uncover new insights and turn them into action. And you can too. Learn more at ThoughtSpot.com. This week, I'm excited to talk to Scott Peck, a data and analytics leader from PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers, all the way from beautiful, sunny Florida. Hi, Scott. Hi, how are you? Good. So how is the weather down there? And what are you looking out your window right now? I am looking out to rain. Uh, oh. <laughs> the cold front is coming through as we speak. We've already dropped 10 degrees. We're supposed to be in the 50s tomorrow for one day, and then we'll be back in the 70s and 80s. Okay. So. Well, you, sorry, you're going to get no sympathy from anyone no, from the north right uh, now. So. No, I can't imagine. And I never asked for it because it's always rubbing it in for everybody. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Scott. You've had a long journey in data and analytics, even before it was called that. So I have been been with the PBC and the firm for about 14 years. Um, I started at the firm really focusing in, it started in reporting. And we started a new team. We centralized reporting within the firm 14 years ago. And we kind of went on a journey around automation and reporting and really descriptive, I would say, just a very descriptive reporting uh, information that we would send out in the masses. Um, we were sending 100,000 reports a month out throughout the firm. And that's kind of how we kind of started. And then there was a point in that whole experience that we kind of shifted and we kind of changed our direction and went to a totally different approach and focusing on analytics and valuing it differently and leveraging it across the firm. And, and it's just been a significant journey for 14 years. Obviously, I've been leading it for the last eight or nine years. And, um, and it's just been a super fun space, seeing it change, seeing the industry change and all the new technologies out there. So it's been a fun ride over the last 14 years. It is a fun, fun space. That's why I'm here for 25 years now. <laughs> a long time. But so when you talk about descriptive analytics, so this is really just saying what's going on. What are the types of questions that are most pressing in PwC? So maybe for some people who I think everyone knows that brand, but is it looking at mainly financial data? Is it utilization rates? What, what are the types of business questions you have? So within the firm, I mean, we're always looking at, you know, utilization and staffing and and making sure that we're, you know, keeping a balance across the firm um, around our, our people. 
But then there's always the financial aspect. Uh, that's a big part of our, our space is how are we doing? How many hours charged and revenue and, and opportunities is another big space where we look at you know, leverage sales force. And that's a big driver. But we do a good job around also trying to balance diversity in, in all the human capital aspects, making sure that we're doing it right and, and creating the balance across the firm. A lot of reports, 100,000 reports. How, how big was your team? A month. a month a month oh my gosh so how big was your team and did anyone actually look at these reports (laughs) so we had about 25 people when we first started and it it definitely grew over the years but we started as a new team pumped them out as fast as we could possibly pump them out and and people used to joke with us at that point in time. So we would talk to some partners and get feedback. And they're like, you know, you guys would send us the biggest Excel file with the most data that we would literally have to like crank it open. And we would spend time just to watch it load. And that's kind of when we started looking at like reevaluating what we were doing. And first, we were just really sending out a lot of information out there. Interested to see how we was taking it, but we had a lot of time being spent where People had to kind of mine through it. They look at these big Excel files, find the anomalies they're trying to look for. Uh, and we thought we were, you know, pretty much wasting a lot of time sending these reports out. But, you know, hit and miss whether or not to answer your question if people were using them. We know they were for a good portion of it. But when you send out 100,000, it's kind of hard to validate <laughs> who's looking at what. Well, and that was state of the art at a point in time. And I mm-hmm. read something in your LinkedIn profile. We share we share a similarity, except 10 years apart. One of your original endeavors in the BI and analytics space, or let's say data, was um, creating an Excel distribution model. Mm-hmm. Is that right? We did. In a previous job, though. Oh, yeah. Out of the beginning, we... I mean, when we say we did automation, I mean, we we got very efficient. We built our own custom automation around Excel distribution. And we would literally, in the masses, I mean, we would have these big days where we just mass produce hundreds of, of Excel reports. And we got very sophisticated on how we do it just because we were the problem we were struggling with and why we centralized is because we had so many people trying to build this on their own. So we decided to bring it in-house and scale it. And that really was a big endeavor. And and one of the big things, but I will say we learned a lot in that piece of time because one of the things we did focus on was data, centralizing data. And and that's when we really started that part of the project and and built a warehouse that we still use today. I mean, we really focused on that aspect, making sure we cleaned up our data. When we think about scale and automation, we had to make sure we also cleaned up to make sure that aspect was really good in our data warehouse because we've spent so much time doing that right. It's helped us where we are today. It helped us significantly. A couple things there. So you did Excel distribution. I know I'm dating myself, but I was the Lotus 123 macro queen in my first job. We had that too. (laughs) Okay, there you go. So as you're talking about cleaning up the data, you know, one of the things that many data leaders ask and debate is what should we do first? Or what do we do if we have messy data? What if it's not all in one place? Do we not even expose that before anyone leverages it? Or what are your thoughts on that? I mean, what our success helped with it, we started out of the gate with a good data strategy. Back then, you know, obviously centralizing your data into a data warehouse was key. And when's then? We're talking 10 years ago, 15 years ago? Yeah, between 10 to 
15 years ago. Okay. And, and I think that's when we really, the warehouses were big. We were, we were much into that business. And even though they, we knew we were a reporting shop, they, everyone also knew of us as we were also a, a data warehouse shop as well. I mean, we were centralizing and, but we really focused on how we'd use it, the structure of it. But today's a little different. I mean, the technology is so significantly different these days. Would I create a warehouse today out of the gate? Probably not. I would create a very strong strategy around how I cleanse it, clean it, how we're going to leverage it, drive consistency. But we spend a lot of time moving data. And I think that's an area that I probably wouldn't do again um, because of a lot of manpower and try to find ways to get around that. But we didn't have that technology back then. Yeah, I often say state of the art keeps changing. So a data warehouse and even a report with any kind of charts in it was considered state of the art. Oh, absolutely. Point in time. <laughs> yeah. Great. You, you, do, you do visualization. You have a pie chart in that report. Right. So part of the enabler is technology. But how did you go just from 100,000 reports, highly centralized, only data warehousing to a more agile and even... Let's also talk about the level of analytics. Are you at the diagnostic, the why, and getting to the predictive? So we shifted when we went back and reevaluated at that point in time, like, what do we want to do? And what is our, our value prop? And this was probably about eight years ago. And this was a piece of the, where we started saying, what do we want to do for the future? I mean, do we want as a team to be producing reports? We decided to change that strategy. We got no funding to do it, so we had to be organic on how we would change our strategy because we felt that we know the data so well. We're so good at producing reporting. Why are we not pushing the needle of saying, let's start solving business problems? Let's start explaining the whys. We did some feedback. One of the partners, actually the partner who actually made a comment about cranking up his Excel file, he goes, all I want you guys to do is tell me what I need to know. Like, don't send me reports anymore. I remember that conversation to this day, and that was a very impactful discussion that really changed how we did it. We started focusing around, all right, well, then I'm going to send you the insight of 100 lines, which one line you need to look at, and, and what do you need to do with it? And that was what we really started trying to push the needle is not just the why, it is what do you do next? And, and really give them, help them either guide the firm and make it easier or you know, give them really true insights of something they need to go take action on and, and really do something different. So it sounds like, though, a key to the success and that change, that pivot, was a business partnership, a business sponsor that valued data. Absolutely. It really helped. I mean, we, we kind of took that to heart. And actually, when we talked about design thinking, uh, that we really started implementing probably more four, three or four years ago. We did spend a lot more time. We started gradually at talking more and more to our customers. Like, what do you need? Well, how do you want to get the information? And it was really get creative on how we distribute information. So the days of reporting to me were over. And so we started shifting towards stories. So we went, we took some of that message back and we started putting reports together. We said, let's, let's build business stories and start telling a story with our information. This was more a to, we had to solve two problems. A, we had to get out of 100,000 reports. So we had to uh, we had to reduce our operational footprint. And we had to start moving us into more where we're kind of say more development sort of work and where we could focus more on business problems. Before we were very reactive, we wanted to be proactive. So we started using some newer technologies back then to say, let's build stories. 
business stories around our content. And it didn't matter what system it came from. We said, we're going to try to get all the data we possibly can get. And we're going to try to build a whole holistic story. Didn't say, it wouldn't say that we were totally out of reporting. We were just starting to shift it differently with more purpose and versus just pure descriptive. So a shift, a shift to stories. So two things. Did you did you get the funding? Did he buy into this? Or did you have to first prove yourself? And the second thing is, did you go back and kill anything? Or, you know, a lot of legacy things just live on and on <laughs> and on. It's one of the hardest things. It's so easy to spin up. It's so hard to kill it. Over the years, we have consistently increased our funding because we keep showing the value of what we've been changing. We were very successful at shutting off 100,000 reports. And that was huge. I know. I feel like we need a silent pause for that. Oh, oh, <laughs> I agree with you. I, <laughs> it is a big, and actually, we're just recently, we had this, we had one Excel report we were still holding on to, and it's being shut off uh, you know, recently. And uh, it was one of those things that really had no value to switch it off. And um, it, was, it had served a purpose, but we've officially sunsetted the entire thing. And uh, which was huge. And uh, it was it was very sad to see it go since I was one of the first developers of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I had no, I didn't. It was a big smile on my face, too, when it, it, when it, when it went away. And um, but it was good. Built to last. Good. Built to last. Good. And so now you get more funding. But um, moving to design thinking and collaborative design, I often say that requires a very different skill set than the traditional order takers or build to a specification. How did you upskill or bring your people along on this journey? For one, I'm a huge fan of design thinking. We started learning, doing trainings around design thinking. We hired a couple of people in our group. They were phenomenal. And they just had a great passion for talking to customers. And so we, we started down this venture and we started going on just facilitating sessions and having with our customers saying, what do you want? And they'd map out all their pain points. We would talk through all that. We'd ideate together. And it was so powerful because they literally were invested in whatever we decided to build. And at the end of the day, they were part of our testing group. We would say, you're the developers. We're just building what you want. And, and they were included in that. We'd have sticky notes all over the boards. They were really problem solving for us, really, for what they wanted. We had one session that we went in a room, we listened to all their pain points, we sat everybody down. This is from the, the lowest level of the, of the group, from a staffing level to the highest level to a partner within an organization. We had everyone sit down and we said, all right, piece of paper and pencil. We had them start drawing. What do you want? What would be your vision of this thing, what this would look like? And it was so much fun to watch the creativity everyone had of what they want. And they were all similar, but a little different. We took it all back and then we, we kind of tried to reconcile it all together and we built one visual of what it could look like for everybody. And it was neat because everyone had a voice. Uh, even someone after the session said like, you know, I've never even, someone's ever asked me my opinion of what I wanted. Oh, wow. Wow. And it was so, it was so cool. And um, so we, we went off and we did, we did about a couple hundred of these type of sessions. We were, we were building an analytics hub internally within our organization. And we really wanted people to want to use it. You know, it, it was not a business-driven sort of initiative. We wanted this to be a customer-driven initiative. What do you want? What would be value to you? And we wanted them part of our development lifecycle. 
and it was great. Great. So, and you and I had a conversation. We we heard this um, speaker, Mick Ebeling, not impossible. And and mm. afterwards, he he has this saying: commit, then figure yes. it out. Nothing's impossible. Do you remember what you said to me after that talk? Yeah, I'm gonna turn off dashboards. <laughs> <laughs> so, I uh, my team was there. And he, I, I really, I really liked him a lot. He, he and I have a very, a lot of similarities and they, they were laughing because I wasn't sitting with my team at that point in time when that, during that was going on. And they're all laughing like, oh my gosh, just listening to Scott <laughs> like, <laughs> because we're going to go something crazy and we're going to commit. We won't know exactly. We're going to go for it. And uh, so, so at dinner, I sat down with them all. I'm like, all right, guys, we're committing all these dashboards we just created, we're stopping them. <laughs> like We're going to have a zero-based dashboard approach. And even when we did the Excel reporting, we actually had a straight... We called it zero-based reporting. It was a, a, a bottom... Like, start over, clean slate. We knew I had to sunset it, but the whole strategy was to eliminate everything. And and we're now starting to do the same thing with dashboards. Is like To me, it's the analyst. It's the insight. It's You don't need a, to create a whole dashboard to generate a cool insight. Um, and, and the, the businesses are changing so rapidly that you're constantly in a rework mode with dashboards all the time because you'll get it out. And two weeks later, it's like, it's already needs to be changed again. So what's the value in it? Why not focus on more? Let's just constantly every day come in and let's look for the insights that's changing the business and let's show that. And that's kind of where we're shifting towards now, which is really fun. I enjoy it. It's awesome, but I feel like I scare the heck out of people when I say that d- dashboard. I won't say they're dead. I, I would say they're. We want a better dashboard that that the AI can create and that people can create Absolutely. faster. So, how did your team react to this? I'm I'm listening for the pregnant pause or the oh my god or head on the table. What oh they no, do? no, they they well they they thought I was crazy at first. Then they realized I wasn't joking. (laughs) Then there might have been some Texas back home um, (laughs) to the rest of the team. Like Scott is very energized and and we're going to be making some changes. (laughs) So at the end of the day, that's where we need to go. And I've told my team this repeatedly. We I don't want us to be known as a dashboard shop. I don't want to be known as a reporting shop. I don't want to be known as that we build dashboards. So what do you want to be known as? Give me the give me the mission statement. So our mission statement right now is analysts of the future, building analysts for the future that are using the newer technologies. And we are the ones driving insights across platforms. Uh, we're solving business problems. And that's where I want us to be to be doing. People come to us because we know data and we're really good at it. And our highest value is to be solving those business problems using the information that we have. Analysts of the future is a strategy that we've been pushing for the last year. We have taken every dashboard developer and we said, all right, we're going to train you to do something different. And my goal is to make every one of you a rock star analyst where the, your name is known across the board because you know how to find the insights and you're, you're fast, you're efficient, you're using tools like ThoughtSpot uh, that you can get to those insights super quick. And, and then it's about publishing the insight itself and not have to send a whole dashboard out there to do it all the time. And storytelling is becoming a big topic. For sure. That is, you know, a big space that we talk to everyone about is we, we actually teach this. We do trainings. We just did one this past week uh, where we bring every room and we said, we want you to learn to storytell and get to the point and focus on one graph can be more impactful than 
20 graphs. And as long as you know how to tell the story correctly, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that do have a lot of great insights, but when you get to the execution of actually explaining the story, it, people get lost in that story. And, and they kind of shut off because there's so much information out there to people telling people different things that it, it's really, that's super important. When you think about this very inspirational, forward-thinking vision, what holds you back on executing on that? You still got to keep the lights on. So it's that shutting off period thing is not easy. I had my way, we just turn it off. But you really can't turn everything off tomorrow. And there's a lot of change management with it all. People change management or technology? What part? Technology, I think we deal with a lot of technology change management and... It, it, you know, our firm's big, just there's a lot of organizations, they're really big organizations. They have a lot of technologies they use and, and there's a lot of things that people are used to seeing. And and so we have a hard time in that change management. And I think that's something we can consistently work on. And, you know, and I tell my team, even with the analysts, it's, you know, get, we all look for opportunities where we keep building our reputation. We keep building that we're changing into something new because right now there's some people might think we're still doing dashboards. And so we're really changing our value um, and we want to take every opportunity where we can to increase that value and, and show people that we are doing something different than everybody else. You know, we, we were lucky enough to build a platform, with it, which is our analytics hub, and that's helped us a lot, at least get out there in front of others to all 55,000 employees and leverage insights as well. That's a hu huge, huge deployment. And one of the books that you told me has shaped your thinking. You recommended this. Turn the ship around. Turn the yes. ship around. I'm just starting to read it. What, why do you like it? And how does it shape your management style? So this is the book. If anyone asks me about a book, this is the one that always resonates with me. I, it's probably hit me at a time in my life where we're starting to shift just the organization, how we were going to operate. And the whole team knows this. I will, I will bring this back every year. And I and I show, we say, hey guys, I'm not, just to reiterate, this is what my goal is, everybody. So it's it's a very intent based leadership style. The book is obviously based on a, a submarine captain, which is you know very hierarchical. You know, military is a very hierarchical sort of organization, and rightfully so. But it it really changes your thought around that everyone is a leader on our team, my team, and and so when we talk about analytics as an analytics uh, center of excellence. I talk to everyone is that doesn't matter what role you're in, you are a leader in analytics across the board. And we want you to be that. Uh, you know your spaces. You have your right to make decisions on what you need to do and how you drive. As long as it aligns the strategy, go do it and, and become that leader. So a high degree, he, he talks about leader, leader versus leader followers. So it yes. sounds like you really foster that high degree of empowerment and autonomy. Absolutely. is a bottoms up sort of model where everyone has a voice. Uh, we spend a lot of time doing that. And in theory, I'm, I want to create, you know, right now we have 80 people in our, our organization now. And, you know, so we've grown over the years a lot. And, you know, I, I look at it as we're creating 80 analysts, experts, you know, that are in, great in their industry that it will take that throughout their career. And that's what I want. So 80 on the core team, and you keep referring to this, the center of excellence, but is everything really centralized or what's happening in these business units? <laughs> There's always going to be work. And I think 
before I talked to any, any center of excellence, there's still always work on the outside. So we do, my, my team is more of a center of excellence. We have brought in a very strong expertise in a lot of core areas. Uh, and that's part of our redesign of our team. You know, we focused around not only talking about leadership at all levels, but we also focused on what skill sets do we need to be successful in analytics. And it's changed. I mean, if you go, if I look at my team now versus 10 years ago, I mean, we have UX designers, we have data scientists, we have data engineers. It's changed so significantly. Yeah. And storytelling. I'd say storytelling, storytelling is just yeah. becoming still emerging, a little more mainstream than it was two years ago. Those skills, do you facilitate the storytelling with the business users as well, not just your 80 people? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And how we've designed our team is we have kind of, a, we say our labs, we have our specialties. It, we have also brought in our business interpreters. Where we have experts across each of the business units so with that we're building up our business acumen. But what we've done is we've created cross-functional teams or virtual cross-functional teams where we put an engineer with a data scientist with a business interpreter, which were our business experts, and a UX designer. The UX designer has been great because they're great at the simplifying everything. It's kind of the storytelling a little bit, like the visually wise. And they all work together to solve a business problem. And that is huge change we've done in our space. And it's been so successful. It's actually interesting. There are even, we do internal surveys to kind of give team health of how are we doing. And our surveys are, have been phenomenal uh, when you look at what's where, because people aren't now working on a piece of the problem. They're involved from beginning to end. And they're also learning, you know, kind of cross-functional learning other skills and not just their specialty. So they're really becoming a little more, a little more well-rounded. When, so when I think of leadership's, you know, qualities, they're getting just such broader experience um, and seeing the end to end of, of a solution, which has been super exciting to watch. Yeah, no, that sounds phenomenal. So you also mentioned the pace of technology change, but the pace of business change and building up these business interpreters. So how do you adjust for that? So this has been a new space for us that we've been getting into a lot more. And, and I think so us getting comfortable with the speed is is something that we're still adjusting. You know, it's it's something. You know, if you're in this world of doing, you're really going to say, All right, "I'm going to be an analyst." Then you, every day you come in, your goal is to find that new insight that's happening in that business, that that shift, and that's something we're we're still working on. I, we're getting better at it. We we hold sessions um, about pretty much every week, doing what we call 360 reviews across the business because what we also want to say is our in our in our business means that you're also learning what's happening in every other aspect of the firm. So when someone comes to ask you a question or something, you are, you are equipped because you have other SMEs around you that you guys are educated on what's going on across this, this large organization that we're helping manage. And it's huge. But the speed is something that we have challenged with. And I, and I have to admit, ThoughtSpot has been a great tool for us that has helped us for speed. I, there's a story that I had with an ass our assurance CFO showing the, her that how good our analysts have become. And because she, I mean, obviously every CFO, they always have analysts on their teams as well. And she said, well, I have four ad hoc requests that I need to do and I, and I don't have time to do it. I said, well, we could probably knock that out. I bet you less than an hour. We could easily do that. And uh, she, she challenged me with it. <laughs> so I, I called one of my analysts. And I was like, all right, 
game's on. I like you really need to do well on this on this challenge. And uh, we knocked it out definitely within that hour. And I think we did in like 45 minutes. And it, it was just super powerful because the way the people on our team saw how much better they've gotten. You know, they used to be dashboard developers, a lot of them. And now they're actually sitting with CFOs answering business problems that they're getting from our operational leaders and and answering those questions and within 45 minutes and knocking out all the questions they had asked about and and using some cool technology to do it. Yeah. So an hour, what would it have taken you, say, three years ago? Three to five days. Three to five days. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It would have been a long time to do some of those because what we would have done, we would have built we would have probably built a dashboard that we would have sent that would have been a one-off request, but we would have created this whole scaled, this whole solution for really something. They just needed a couple answers. Yeah. And that's it. So you mentioned also something about the way you think about talent and the diversity of your team. Do you want to elaborate on that? Well, the industry is so different. Our teams are so different now. I I think we look for such diversity. We look for people that are thinking about the customer experience, you know, heavily. And that's, I think that goes in line with design thinking. You know, one stat that I know going through design thinking, 86% of people will pay more for better experience. So we take that to heart when we, everything we build something. And, and so we put a lot of investment in to make sure that the customer experience of how they're using our tools, how they're using your insights are huge. Data scientists, we, we really look for a broadness on that. We bring in some very high skilled people, but we, what we also want to create is a learning program. You know, data science is new. It's a really new space. There's a lot of neat things happening in that space. And so we've created a whole learning program within the organization to, to teach that. And so we get a lot of uh, newer talent coming in that just want to learn. And, that, and, that, and I think that's when we look for people on our team to join. It's, it's do you, are you interested in learning? And because if you aren't interested in learning analytics, you, 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 it's probably the wrong space for you because it changes uh, significantly pretty quickly. And um, But data engineers and architects, they've always been, you know, I feel like been always part of this space for a long time. And um, But the, the business interpreters, what we call the business meetings, have been a huge intake as well. We want those people to do that. I have to say, in our, and when we were doing our dashboard development phase, we shifted way, way too much to our technical acumen. Like that was a piece that I think we really got too, too into the tech side. We lost a little bit of our business now a lot of our business acumen um, because we're shifting to say faster dashboard development versus keeping our business acumen that we could become analysts. And I think it's something we've really through analysts of the future and things like that. We've really trying to bring back and not over pivot too too much of technology. Let tech and technology's gotten so much better tools that they've gotten so much more efficient that you don't have to have these super expert techies. But we really want the people that love to mine the data tie them with people who have created a cool experience for the customers and drive that cool insight. Yeah. So it, did you realize that or change that by recruiting or where you invested the skills? Like a question that many analytics leaders ask me is, should we take people from the business and skill them in data and analytics? Or should we take people from IT and skill them in business analytics? I do both. Actually, I, I divide the team up into two core areas. 
we have our business portfolio, which we focus a heavy, heavy on our business acumen. And then we have in our labs area, we focus on more of our specialty skill sets, data scientists, uh, UX, uh, engineers, and things like that. And then that's where the cross-functional comes to play because they're going to get more, a little more well-rounded. So when I think about staffing the two areas, uh, I'll probably target, depending on the business side, I'll also focus on going to get the business. But I'm looking for those who want to, who a little bit at least enjoy that technical acumen a little bit. And um, and we we staff in that perspective. And on the the labs area, it's probably a lot more. I would say IT um, because we actually don't sit in IT. And I think the power in our group is the fact that we're merging both together to work together on, on a single problem. So where do you sit? We actually sit under the finance organization, right? Because they obviously they've over the years they've focused on the financials a lot more around that. We've also taken over our human capital side. And really focused on that. So that way it allows us to stay at least closer to the business problems that are coming through um, and allow us to attack it a little differently. And um, and we then we do the cross-functional teams with that. So as you think about your very long career in this space, was there ever a time or a level that you got to that you thought, I can't do this? No way. No. <laughs> no, no. Okay, I, let's go no. off record for that one. <laughs> no, I, I um, I love what I do. You know what I like about analytics so much is it, every day it's a little different. It is. It is, and it's it's a very fun, evolving industry. Even when we talk about dashboards. Analytics is everywhere. In the way, if you look at things are moving, AI, machine learning, it's just analytics is all baked into that. Um, it's baking in with decision making and things like that. So there's so many cooler projects out there where you can get engaged, and and that's where we, my group, kind of gets a little out. Let's say off the reservation, but we get into a lot of different projects that aren't traditionally like you would think of. Hey, I'm going to give you an insight to a leader. We could be sitting over here working on a recommendation engine, and because of the content that we have access to and the, what we're doing with you know modeling and things like that through our data scientist groups. Like there's just so much neater things you can do with it. And and I think that's what makes the group so much fun. That you you're not just coming in doing insights. We have a team that does that for sure, but there's so many broader projects you can get engaged in to solve informational issues around driving a better experience for your customers, driving information to them easier, more effectively. Um, and recommendations, and you think of machine learning AI is is, is such a space that's which is improving on. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, I say data is everywhere and it's part of every job. I don't care if you're an analyst, a salesperson, even you you probably hear me (laughs) on LinkedIn with my kids, the football player, his helmet creates data. My daughter is doing marine stuff and she's tracking data. It's absolutely everywhere. Yeah, and I, I think that's where my team, it'll be a struggle to see over the years where it goes because the space is so broad. You know, it, it there's, you can get looped into so many technology solutions and products and solutions that it's way past the days of a dashboard. <laughs> yeah. And because there's information everywhere. So with this broad reach, are, are you afraid of it? Some people are saying AI will kill jobs. Some people are worried about data privacy. Does this worry you? Data privacy will be, a, I think, a topic. I, I think it'll be very interesting. 
and, and not to say we don't experience the same thing, even in just internally is, is when you have access to so much and you can make, you know, you can make it even a better experience, but at what cost? And I, th- I think it will be interesting over the years if something happens of, will that get locked down a little bit more around what you can do with data, data privacy? But I do know that I do think that will limit how much smarter the information is going to get uh, to provide that experience for you. Um, or people are going to have to weigh in of what if they're okay with it. Amazon. I mean, we know they're they do the voice, so we know they're listening. But for me, it provides a good experience. I, and I have it all through my house. Um, I've accepted it, and um, because it gives me a great experience at home. Yeah, I think this is where who do you trust? Who do you trust with that data? Who do you trust? And do you understand it? You understand what they're doing. I think the average citizen does not. Yeah, it's funny. So, and not to call a big name products, Facebook versus Amazon. You know, my wife all of a sudden felt like someone was listening to her phone on her Facebook app. It was a very shut off, turn off experience for her. All of a sudden she's getting inundated with all these things like, wow, why did all of a sudden I get this you know, ad? I just talked about this and she didn't like it. And she immediately deleted it from her phone. Amazon, I still trust you know, at home. I mean, I still trust it, but I use it in very specific ways. But I think if it ever broke that trust, those things would get unplugged tomorrow. <laughs> right, right. That is going to be a very interesting thing. And, I, and, I, and obviously, our, for us as a firm, client data and all that is number one priority, like security and protecting it. But it, it, it's going to be how people use it, I think, is going to be interesting. Not just, I mean, I'm just saying with anybody, as much as other companies that collect data from different organizations and things and how they use it, it is a big trust factor uh, to make sure it's done right. Do you think you're ready for cloud? Is it one cloud? Is it multiple clouds? Or is that still in the distant future? So our firm has moved to the cloud. Um, we are definitely in there. It's again, you got to trust it. And, and we've definitely from an organization have moved into that space uh, for sure. But I, I look at, you know, if someone wants to hack, they could probably hack it. <laughs> yeah. You know, even, even on our on-prem, there's people out there that are always, you know, that's why you have cyber teams out there. And, that, and we have a you know, big cyber group as well. And, you know, it's, 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 a, it's just going to try to do as best you can to protect it. For sure. So if you look ahead, so you've gone from zero-based reporting and started uh, early on in spreadsheets to, to then data ops and ideally no dashboards, just insights. If, as you look ahead two to three years out, where do you see your team and your role as a data chief? I could see us definitely closer to the product space. Like, I think that's where we see ourselves. We've built a platform, a website. I could see us... I can see us not doing any more dashboards. I, I could see us being completely out of dashboards. I could see our analysts being kind of rock stars publishing to you know leaders every so often. Hey, I found something new, and how do we let me share it with you? Um, I could see them being really a big player in the space around an analyst and getting their name out there. And I and I do think that you're gonna see we're gonna see more and more push towards our our teams getting pushed to helping with problems like products and solutions um, because the machine learning AI space is so booming. And I think we're kind of building that skill set. I think we're such a key player into that that world. And we're getting more advanced even in our own platforms that we built uh, on doing that. So but I do think I do think the dashboards for us will 
for my team, the goal will be we won't be doing it. <laughs> well, you certainly make it compelling from report author to data yeah. rock star or insight yeah, I like, rock star. I like, I like, yeah, I like yeah. that. I did ask him. I did ask him in a team town hall. It's like, all right, do you guys want to be known as a dashboard developer or do you want to be an analyst rock star? And <laughs> uh, and they so. I, I've c created a movement within my group. So the people that were they were giving a heart attack at the table at dinner that one night, uh, now they have a, a force to be reckoned with because the people on their team want to be rock stars. So, <laughs> so, so That's great. So you and I have both work in a very exciting space and um, touch a lot of people as we move through this space. So I like to end with thinking about what are you grateful for beyond the canned answer. My whole life over the last you know, six, seven, I'm going on seven years now. Yeah, obviously I was touched by an experience personally with my daughter. Uh, my daughter got diagnosed with cancer. Uh, changed Callie. my Callie. Callie. Uh, yep. She, and she, she changed my life forever. You go through those big emotional moments in life where you can remember every second of, the, of it happening. And I remember going to the hospital and, 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 and just going through and seeing other families that are dealing with so many different things. And I, and it was just horrific. And, and I used to see doctors and nurses doing really impactful things. And I remember going back in to work like a week or two after that. And that's when I was like, guys, what are we doing? Like, like we're building reports and, and versus we could be doing something more. And that's for, for me being thankful is a my obviously my family and my and my daughter. I mean, my daughter's doing amazing. She just got her five years of being cleared. They're everything to me. I mean, they're they're all my heroes. And um, but my my teams that I've been with that have been also just amazing um, because I feel like we've really ch created a culture around. Let's just do something different. Let's build. Let's change. Let's let's not let's be a change agent, and and every day let's come in. Let's try to create a value. And if if our expertise is data analytics, then let's do something that's cool with data analytics and bring an impact that'll help somebody with something. And that's what I'm thankful for that I get to be part of that. And and I think people around me, I, hopefully, I think feel the same way. And the fact that we have organically changed from a reporting group with not a lot of funding to just do it. It is we've grown and because we've proven ourselves to do it, that it's had it soft to everyone on my team. But I do think that my life is different. I think I'm, I'm actually grateful that, I, not that it ever happened, but I think I'm a better person for going through it. And but I'm also exceptionally lucky that everything worked out so well. And uh, because so many people don't. So, and I'm also thankful for every doctor out there <laughs> They go into work every day to help find a cure for something like that, because that is pretty inspiring as well. Yeah. So beautifully said, Scott. And that's where I know you, you are not just a data chief. You do a lot of volunteering outside. Yep. So we spent pretty much after at least when Callie's sick, we used to do a lot of charities. Uh, I used to speak at a lot of events. My wife would actually go as we're going to events. She would say, "Hey, I forgot to tell you, you're speaking at it." <laughs> and I quickly, I go, "Oh, really?" So, and you know, but we did some neat things. I think you know, my my wife and I, you know, we, when we went through it all, it was like the third day, and we had been crying for three days straight. We said, "You know, 
there's three things we're going to do. A, we're going to not cry ever again. We're going to make sure our kids feel like they have a normal kid's life. And no matter what's happening. And we're going to try to at least have, make them all smile at least once a day. And that was our goal. So we did a, we even did a campaign charities and stuff like, uh, turning lemon into lemonade and too, too cute for leukemia because she, my daughter had leukemia and really not treating it as a negative is we just had to accept it, what we're dealing with and, um, find every positive that was out there and, uh, and do it right. And, uh, we, we made it through. And, uh, like I said, my, my daughter was amazing. My son, uh, my, my second child, I mean, he used to come in and do the transfusions and, and we do the chemo treatments and he'd be sitting over there playing with some kid who was getting blood transfusions and playing video games with them, just sit down and play with them. It didn't even phase them. So I feel like there's a lot of lessons learned my kids have come through out of this as well. And the importance of, you know, just helping others and, yeah. and, and keeping a positive mindset. Like I said, they're, they're all my heroes. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's been Thanks great. for sharing that story, Scott. And so glad everyone's doing well in family and in work. Ladies and gentlemen, Scott Peck on the Data Chief. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Data Chief. To learn more about today's guest, recommend a future guest, or listen to more of the show, head over to thedatachief.com. If you have questions for Cindy or comments about the episode, give her a shout on Twitter at BI Scorecard. The Data Chief is brought to you by our friends at ThoughtSpot. Searching through your company's data for insights doesn't have to be complicated. ThoughtSpot makes it easy. With ThoughtSpot, anyone in your organization can easily answer their own data questions, find facts, and make better, faster decisions. Learn more at ThoughtSpot.com. The Data Chief is presented by our friends at ThoughtSpot, the modern analytics cloud company. ThoughtSpot makes it easy for anyone to analyze your company's data with search and AI. Business people at companies like Verizon, CVS, Amazon, Afterpay, OpenTable, and T-Mobile use ThoughtSpot to quickly uncover new insights and turn them into action. And you can learn more at ThoughtSpot.com.